0: Welcome to the Global Payroll Association's podcast in partnership with ADP, Women in Payroll. My name is Melanie Pitsey and I'm the CEO of the Global Payroll Association. I'm so excited to run this series of podcasts to give me the opportunity to introduce to you some of the inspirational female leaders that I've met over the last 20 years within the payroll community. My co-host today is Graham Wiley who is the Vice President Marketing International of ADP. During our podcast, we will be discussing the highs and lows of individuals' careers and find out how they have got to where they are today. So, as they say, let's get on with the show. Hi, Graham. How are you?
1: Hi, Mel. I'm good. Thank you. Still under lockdown as 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 you are, I believe. Um, it is the 1st of June today and looking forward to today's conversation.
0: Yeah, I think it's the 11th week of our lockdown, and um, so I'm excited today. And um, We're talking to Anne-Marie. So welcome,
2: Anne-Marie. Thank you, Mel. Thank you, Graham. It's a pleasure to, to be part of this podcast journey that you're on. Great to have you with us. I'm excited
0: today because we're speaking to Anne-Marie. And um, again, I've known Anne-Marie for a number of years. We have a couple of things that we both love, and that is dogs and payroll, is that correct, Henry?
2: That is totally, and I'm surprised you start with dogs. So that's <laughs> the good order. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and um, so you've got a fantastic background, and I'm, I'm lucky to know how you um, started out in payroll. And I think it's a really interesting story. Um, so, Henry, would you like to, to tell us and and um, the rest of the audience how
2: you actually got into payroll? I would love to do that. So. Many, many, many years ago, and the ones that know me, I have gray hair, so it is truly many, many, many years ago. um, I always knew I wanted to be working in an office. Um, And my first job was working at a bookkeeping company for butchers, where the butchers would come in with their receipts, with the meat and blood still on it. And my job was coding the receipts and writing out the payroll sheets. So payroll has been always part of my professional life. It was not till I I moved job and I got to do a payroll for 108 people that for me at that time, 108 people was like, wow, you know, 108 people, enormous task. Now I look at it, and go like, "Eh," 108 people. But at that time, it was amazing. That is when I really realized that I'm a paywall nerd. And from that on, I've, I worked at different companies. I worked at um, a few of the big four running paywall for clients. I've been European payroll leader for Foot Locker for Amazon. Um, and now I'm in the US. I'm the, the executive director, global payroll and global mobility for, for NCR. And it's been an interesting journey with a lot of ups and downs but one that I would not have want to miss for the world and from your accent obviously
0: not American so no. where do you come from and, and what's that journey been
2: yeah I'm originally from the Netherlands um and it that's a blessing and a and a curse in the same breath because um I'm very direct, and that is good, but, you know, sometimes that's not so good. But it's it's been very helpful in my journey, but it's also one of my biggest learnings, and I think we'll, we'll talk about that later. Um, I've always wanted to work abroad. So my first option to work abroad came when I wanted to do something different. Well, I wanted to do payroll, but in a different country. I Googled and found Amazon, I had no clue what Amazon was. So I didn't know I would actually go and work for one of, well, for the biggest company in the world. I started in Luxembourg, which is technically abroad if you look at the Netherlands, but it's like a four hour drive. So it's not really abroad, but it's a different country. Um, I was the first European payroll lead for Amazon there. And that's where my two, I think, international careers started, is from the Netherlands, working in Luxembourg, living in Luxembourg, also lived in Germany for seven years. And now I live in the US um, in Atlanta, which is a dream come true.
0: And what, what differences do you see in living in the US from Europe? Sort
2: of culturally, do you you see differences? It is. It's it's interesting to see that, you know, people always say that ideas start in the US and then you have to make it fit the rest of the world. That is so true. Like what what works in the US is kind of assumed it will work in the rest of the world as well. What I do see changing over time is that more and more people have international experience so if I look back maybe 10 years, it was very much U.S. driven and, you know, the rest of the world had to adapt to the U.S. Now I do see that companies are truly becoming more global before they implement something. They start to check if it would work internationally and with payroll as well. You know, it's payroll in the U.S. is complicated because of the many states, but the payroll itself is not too complicated. Compare that to Brazil or France or Italy. I see people now becoming more aware that payroll is really complicated based on the country that you're in or that you need to process. And there is a more global awareness.
0: And and the thing is as well, I know um, from speaking um, to you on a number of occasions, is that you do like a challenge. I think every role that you go to has a certain challenge.
2: Is that correct? Yes. It is. And what is interesting is that every company seems to have similar challenges, some bigger, some smaller, some are more advanced in the journey. But every company struggles with the same challenges: is finding the right people, um, technology vendors, processes, and documentations. I think no matter what sh- what company you go to, you will find that they struggle with these same topics. Payroll is often, and I say there are exceptions, but often the last department where companies invest in to get technology do a lot of the work. I think with robotics coming that will change but it's still it's not the cash cow of the company so it also doesn't get the biggest um, investment budget.
0: And do you think that's one of the sort of the key challenges to make that the change that you need to is just not having the budget available?
2: It is, because even if the budget is for internal, you know, we're all fighting for the same resources, the same budget, the the same spend. And payroll is often the last one. Unless something goes dramatically wrong, then, you know, that's a great opportunity for payroll to to actually be the highest priority. Um, What I've also learned over time is that internal audit Really can be your friend. So if you really want something done, and you see something that is either very manual, or you know that that creates a high risk, see of internal audit can help you give you the push on priority of budget that you need to fix something. Can I? Am I getting off topic? <laughs> no. No,
1: I think this is all about practical advice and and sharing knowledge uh, and, and and experience. So actually, you've you've. In just a few minutes, there you've shared so much that drives so many different uh, different questions. So um, perhaps we'll come back to to internal audit because I, I yeah. like that idea that the payroll and it's come out in a couple of these conversations that there are opportunities to build wider relationships across the business, and in fact that that can be a focus for the payroll organisation. Yep. But let's let's rewind a little. Um, I'm I'm fascinated in that career pathway of of starting, and I just. Love that mental picture of running payroll for the the butchers and receiving the receipts in yeah. and managing that uh, that that process. Um, what what were the kind of one or two major milestones in that career progression that had kind of the greatest influence on your approach to work and 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 the the role you do now?
2: So I think my biggest impact is Amazon and. The leaders I worked for at Amazon, you know, it I worked for that company for twelve years, but they gave me the a broad experience. But then also I was fortunate to work for the same leader for ten out of the twelve years. Who who is the best leader I ever worked for? Um, his business ethics, his approach, smart, respectful. Um he taught me some wise lessons, but he also showed me what a leader should do and what a leader should not do. And I think he is the, the influence that still, he's the voice in the back of my mind if I need to do something or if I am dealt with a difficult situation, it's like he is the voice that that I listened to and I'm like, what would Tim have done? I think that is, a, that is one key, so Amazon and Tim. The other one is um, I did get my masters from the Derby University um, that was together with the CIPP. That education plus the, the group of people I met, they all were so passionate about payroll they they we are still connected even though it's like five years ago. Some of them I see in the global payroll association calls that that connection between payroll people um, is amazing. so I would say getting my master and you know taking a leap of faith, go abroad and work for a big company. Um, in this case, it was Amazon. I think were the two key milestones for me. Mm.
1: And and that leap of faith. So um, moving from the Netherlands to Luxembourg, you said four hour drive. So perhaps yeah. um, <laughs> a, a small leap of faith, a, a small step of of, of faith. Yeah. But then much bigger leaps that followed. Um, so in terms of, of you started by running, you know, small payrolls, and then you talked about one hundred and eight person payroll how did you grow and and, and what countries are you responsible for today how big is the payroll that you you look after but interestingly take us there in the steps if you can in terms of the size of payrolls
2: so the one thing I you know I've always had is I'm never afraid of a challenge Um, if something comes across my path I will pick it up and if I can't do it I will find in my network somebody who can Help me understand. Working at Amazon meant that I also ran the French paywall for nine months. Now, did I do it perfectly? No, I, I made mistakes and there were some processes that needed some cleanup afterwards, but I got people paid. Yeah. Um, running the German payroll, running the UK payroll, I run the Hong Kong payroll. I did the Singapore payroll, and I've never been afraid to actually get my hands dirty. I think that's I also like it. So it's part of of my growth is that I I take on what comes across my path and I get it done it also helped me to gain trust. And I have a really good example, if if I'm allowed to give that, Mm -hmm. it was at Amazon. We were in Germany, there was a US tech team and we were working on a project. And they listened to some of the explanations but they interpreted it incorrectly. And they were adamant that their vision, their view was right. I was convinced their view was wrong because I actually ran the payroll and I knew what they were talking about. They didn't believe me. They did their research and then they came back and said, you know, we'll never doubt you again. And I see that with within my leadership journey is I'm not always right. That's not what I'm saying. But because of the exp- the, I have the experience, I, I've done a lot of the work I know what people talking about. I did the, the 16 hours days, the seven days per week. Um, it builds trust. So that is, I think one of the, the things I learned on the way to bring it back to the topic is that I've had to run paywalls for countries. I had to do actually a lot of tasks myself before I got where I got now. So um It was in 2012 when I had an opportunity to potentially move to the U.S. I got a new boss and he asked me, okay, if that's what you want, then what are you going to do when you're in the U.S.? And I, over time, I noticed that we were not really good in payroll compliance, meaning the payroll person who processes the payroll was the one who did part of the accounting who had to answer on the different audits who was the one who answering the employee questions was the one who had to resolve compliance issues and it was the the water was muddy so i presented a business case to start up a global payroll compliance team and i think i was one of the first globally um, who was responsible for global payroll compliance, and that eventually got me to the US. So I hired my backfill in Luxembourg, moved to the US, did the global payroll compliance for two and a half years at Amazon. Then I moved for two years to lead the global mobility team at Amazon, which was an amazing journey. It made me realize that I, although I I like mobility. It's not the same love as that I have for payroll. So when that came to an end, I I was offered a job back at my old VP um, in an auditor role. Hardest decision I ever had to make because I felt so loyal to the company and to that leader. But my future was in payroll. So that made me leave Amazon and go back into the payroll world. And I, I miss Amazon, I don't deny that, but I don't regret the journey that um, I'm on now.
1: So now you're responsible for how many countries? And sixty-eight. how many people, 68 countries?
2: 68 countries, 30,000 plus people. Um, interesting journey because we're, you know, COVID also makes it difficult. But it's because we're building, um, it's an interesting journey because we are establishing new teams, new processes. We're looking at our vendor. We actually have um, automation. We, we're using robotics for some of the controls. It's It's a very interesting time.
1: Hmm. And so... You know, that journey from a payroll of 108 people to 68 yeah. countries and, and 30,000 people and, 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 and some very deliberate decisions, I think, in terms of how you've managed your career um, to to arrive there. But um, just we were talking then about making friends with with audit and, and obviously having yeah. been invited to participate in audit. I can see where that would come from. Um as you look back on that journey, making friends with audit would be would be one recommendation, I guess. But what advice would you offer to someone starting out now in payroll based on that experience?
2: Yeah, that's a super good question, and I I really gave that some thought as well because I mean I'm thinking about what this could be like. So the first one is, you never point fingers. Um, one of the lessons that that VP taught me is that it doesn't matter who make the mistake. It's how you resolve it together. Because if you look at the mistake somewhere down that path, before you realized it was a mistake, you probably somewhere knew something could go wrong and you probably did not go out of your way to fix it. So it's collaboration. It's not shaming people. Now, People hear me say that all the time. If one person makes the same mistake seven times, that requires a different conversation, but it's all about collaboration. It's not about who made the mistake. It's about how we fix it together. Um, Be critical and ask questions about the status quo, but ask your questions on the basis of mutual respect, not to judge. Um, In order for payroll to progress or you know as a leader in payroll to help somebody grow, you need to be critical and you need to ask questions. If you don't ask questions you're doing yourself a you're you're not helping yourself Hmm. but you're also not doing what the company is paying you to do. Hmm. Lead by example. Don't ask anybody to do anything you would not do yourself. And have a high bar, a realistic bar, but set a high bar. You know, you need to be critical and you need to have good business ethics. Um, be honest and be open. Earn trust. Trust is critical. Without trust, even one mistake in a 100,000 people payroll will will create problems that normally would not be there. And the last thing I think is um, be prepared to take educated risk. When you work in payroll, you will come across legislation that is ambiguous, meaning that if you have one person read it, they interpret it as A. If you ask somebody else to read it, they say, well, I think it's B. It's your job to determine if it's A, B, or maybe it's C that is in the middle. As long as you make sure you evaluate the potential risk with taking your point of view, it's okay to take an educated risk. Um, I've had several experiences where we encountered some compliance issues where we could have written the check to the government immediately and you know have the company be pay out of pocket but because legislation was ambiguous we were able to not in all cases but in the majority of the cases to actually sit down with the different revenues and talk about it and either not having to pay anything or come up with a reasonable negotiation so take risk but let them be educated risk
1: and and you said at the beginning, um, originating out of the Netherlands, that was, I think you said, helpful, but also part of the biggest learning. Um, And and there's hints in that story about times when you've had to be very assertive uh, inside the organization and outside the organization. So how, as you've moved from Luxembourg to the US into a global role, how have you had to think about managing that assertiveness and how to communicate and, and, and how to really lean in on the strengths of your natural directness and when have you had to maybe take that into account and work in a different way and, 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 and how, yeah. have you, how have you learned to work in a different way, I guess? Because every culture is different. We've had a few people on the calls talk about their different experiences in moving to leading a global team. So perhaps just share a few of the insights and learnings of, of how you've developed and grown as an individual in that area.
2: So I will say, Graeme, that journey is still ongoing. I think you are never complete that learning. Um, one thing I have on my computer is I have a little sticky note, and I, it says, communication, what are the goals? What are you trying to accomplish? And build towards others, helping to achieve your goals. And every email I write that is either addressing a problem or where I need help or when I respond to an email I get from somebody else, I check to see if I meet those four goals. The second one is I've learned if I, I'm a quick responder to emails. Sometimes I need to let an email sit and wait to respond because I'm very good in one-liners. But one-liners do not show any emotion, and they can come across as very aggressive. That's not my intent. So I make a conscious decision to start every email with hello, and then, you know, whoever I'm emailing, and close it with thank you, warm regards, kind regards, instead of just the one line. Seems like it's a very small thing but it it makes the email already much nicer but it's the self-awareness that is an ongoing journey i i need to consciously think about what i'm writing who i'm writing to and what i'm trying to accomplish
1: and you mentioned covid19 we're recording yeah. a number of these during the, the lockdown um, and, and obviously different countries are interacting differently. So perhaps how has the current situation impacted uh, collaboration across your, your global team? How have your ways of working changed in the last 8, 10, 12 weeks?
2: So everybody's working remote, which makes the personal interaction non-existing. We actually work pretty well together. We do a lot of team meetings and Zoom meetings. Um, we use Teams. The biggest impact I think COVID had on us is one, we realized that things that seem like a given are not so easy when you're in a COVID. And I'll, I'll give you one example. There are some, a handful of people at NCR who get physical checks it's a very very small portion and they're based in a state where we can't force them to go to direct deposit well if you're working from home how do you get the printed checks and then you need to you don't have a mail room you can go to so you need to mail them out that was one not everybody had a printer we had some people who did not have Wi-Fi, so we really had to work with facilities and and local country uh, leaders to make sure that everybody was set up to to work from home. Um, the biggest problem at the beginning was everybody came to payroll saying I need to cash flow for 2020 I need to know the expenses I need to know this well unfortunately we don't have one database we don't have that magic red button that we normally use to process payroll that says give me a report so we really had to rally together and I'm very proud of my team that within a couple of days we had not only the the April and May cash flow out, but we had a projection towards the rest of the year for payroll cash going out, but also for payroll vendor management, payroll expense, payroll vendor expenses. Very, very quick, we pulled that together, even though we are not so centralized reporting wise. And I think that was the biggest aha that I thought really I have a fantastic team I work with. You know, I, I trust my people blindly, but I also know if I need them, they are there and they will get their job done. So I can't take the credit for that. That goes to my team. But it, it was a very good learning for us to understand that payroll is not just processing a pay slip and getting people paid. We influence a lot of other departments.
1: And, and do you think that this situation has made that more visible to those other yes. departments?
2: Yes, definitely. And,
1: and does that create interesting new avenues? You touched earlier on, on budgets and the investment in, in global payroll. Do you see that increased understanding across the wider business as perhaps a time when global payroll professionals can communicate more clearly with their peers and talk more clearly about the changes that the business might uh, be able to make in its global payroll going forward.
2: So if if you're asking me if we suddenly now get more budget, I I don't think we're going to get that (laughs) big because we were so good in pulling it together in such a short notice. What I do think is that people understand that payroll is not that magic red button that we always push and people get paid. I think people have a better appreciation of what paywall does. And what it does bring us, it, it gives us a seat at the table. And I I have very good peers in, in the benefit space, for example, that they invited paywall to their weekly meetings if they have projects related to new benefits or cancelling benefits or changing benefits vendor or they need to bring a report to to one of their leaders they automatically reach out to paywall to see if there's input and i see that from total rewards um the the comp team i see it from the benefits team and mobility is now part of my team so it's there as well uh, business travel I I see that more people realize that before they implement something, let's check with payroll. And I think that is already a massive, massive step forward.
1: And Mel, that's something we've talked to a number of people on this, this call about is is just in terms of how um, central payroll can be to the wider business operations, but how that's often missed by the wider stakeholder group.
0: Yeah, it seems to be a common theme, doesn't it, with um, I think nearly everyone that we've spoken to since we've started the podcasts.
1: Mm. And and so across those 68 countries, how have you and your team adapted to the increased pace of of regulatory change um, relating to obviously governments and businesses adapting to the the for want of a better phrase the new normal um yeah. and, and all the furlough schemes and the changes that are, are happening around the world what's that experience been like for you and your team
2: so it it's it's been a uh, a painful learning meaning it it takes my team to really you know look at the the different partners so we have Ernst and Young Deloitte ADP everybody sends their their daily updates um so there's a lot of reading that happens. then people reach out to their network. We've been pretty good in converting or translating the for example the covid nineteen the stimulus bill or the subsidies, and see how we what we have to do in payroll. We were also pretty good in trying to estimate the total um either waived amount so saving to the company or the deferral we keep that up to date weekly and it's interesting I have different people in my team stepping up and taking proactive actions to keep everybody else in the globe in payroll informed which we didn't really have before we had our payroll meetings but now I have my leader in APEC pulls everything globally on a weekly basis from the Ernst & Young site and sends that to the payroll teams. We have somebody who took ownership of our sheet where we collect the data. He shares that with the different teams outside payroll who need access to that. So we have different people who step up and take on different roles. And legislation is complex and you don't want to get it wrong. Um, so sometimes you, you need to dive deep or you need to reach out to somebody who has more experience, but it it's really, that's what makes payroll interesting is it's never boring. There's always something changing.
1: I want to build on that a little bit because so many um, payroll organizations, it, there's, there's so much happening. Um, it is so stressful and so interesting that the focus becomes just on getting the payroll done in that given month. Um, and, you know, there's there's a lot of organizations don't necessarily have the time uh, or, or the opportunity to look a little further ahead. Um, clearly, given your experiences and the number of different organizations you've worked in, you've seen a number of different ways of running. You've seen payroll evolve over, over time. So if you look ahead to the new normal and, you know, far beyond that over the next five years, how do you see, you know, payroll evolving and where do you think it will be in five years time?
2: Um, I believe we will have more robotics type of automation. Um, and if, if I can take a step back, so I I used to be that person that thought if I can enter three thousand variables in a minute, you know, or in an hour, I I felt I was productive. That that was what made my me proud of running a paywall. Over time, I learned that nobody cares if i enter 3000 variables in a minute or an hour companies and people want to make sure i have the right controls that i i know what's happening in my world that i am proactively resolving issues that i'm transparent analytics are becoming more and more important and that is you know that was a learning I had to go through. So five years from now, I think a lot of the repetitive processes are going to be captured by some form of robotics where payroll people will become more analytical reviewers. Um, people will focus more on resolving the issue like Six Sigma type of reason, like the five Ys, how can we solve it from the part for the future? What is the root cause analysis? How can we help the business better? So I think Paywall will become more of an advisory function slash controllership compliance type of function, analytics type of function. The, the day-to-day data sharing and keying of data will be either through interfaces, robotics, or a vendor. That's where I see it.
1: And can you... Share an experience of your, your early work on robotic process automation. Yeah. You've you've touched on it a, a, a couple of times, but um, it, it's a relatively new area. So I'd be really keen to hear a little bit more about how you're thinking about applying it, and and and, and maybe even Mel. I don't know. I, I don't know how much the GPA has has covered RPA in in previous activities, but it might be worth just giving a bit more of a description of of RPA if some listeners are not too familiar with it
0: so we've we've run um quite a few events actually maybe about 4 or 5 years ago which was actually quite early uh, to talk about robotics and um we ran a few sessions actually in in the US uh, just sort of talking about what what robotics was or is and um people still thought then that it was physical robots that were producing the data <laughs> rather than um is it is it like the macros is it I don't actually understand I don't actually know what the whole thing what actually drives uh, the robotics I know it's like um is it macros uh, so
2: Anne- I can tell you what what we've done and you know we're not the the most advanced company out there but what we've done is like we have socks controls we're a us-based company and we make have to make sure that we 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 meet our socks controls those socks controls were just labor intensive um, and what we now do is we our hr system is workday and then we have the different payroll vendors where in the past we would pull a report from workday we take the payroll vendor, we do a lookup, or, you know, more macro, and then we try to explain the differences. What we now have is we have the data from the payroll vendor goes into Workday. The data from Workday, for example, I'll give an example that makes the, the best. Let's say we, we look at gross salary. So the gross salary in Workday should be the same as the gross salary in our payroll system. That sounds logical. It's not always the case. So what we now do is we bring those two systems together. Workday automatically spits out a report that shows the differences between the payroll system and Workday. It, it, exp, it puts a percentage behind it. And then all my team has to do is for the ones that fall into, like we have a 5% deviation, anything that is, five percent or higher they need to find an explanation on there and we already can identify if somebody is on leave in workday but there's maybe a delay in payroll there's already like the LOA is already mentioned as a potential reason in that report so instead of my team make you know um, combining two sheets then Manually looking up people in Workday or in the payroll system, 75% in the, is in the report. We still have to go through the report because we still need to identify why we have discrepancies. But it makes it a process, especially for countries that have thousands of employees. This process took hours. Now it takes less than an hour. And I'm very proud that we've been able to to implement this.
0: And I think that's when um, we had these meetings that people were worried about their, they could lose their jobs or they would lose yeah. their team members. But actually, it, it takes away the mundane work, doesn't it? So that you can be- become more analytical, that your team can do more exciting things within their roles.
2: Right. And if you if you talk to every payroll person, Every payroll person will say that they have an enormous backlog on projects that are either, you know, process improvement related, or compliance related, or maybe a cleanup, or maybe they have to do something to comply, you know, to implement new legislation. We have such a backlog of things that we want to do, but we can't do because we are in these details, freeing up time from people to not have to do the combining and the analytics but to just give them a report hopefully once we have this you know this is relative new but we we're building it out that frees up time to do some of that backlog stuff that we've never been able to do that we kept postponing we actually can can do and i'll 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 take some very like documentation yes we have documentation but some of the documentation is seriously out of date is our intranet up to date so it's not all big compliance related projects it's it's some of the simple things that are maybe not the most sexy things you can do so people always deprioritize because they have no time well actually we now have time so we're going to do it
0: Just talking about the robotics side, a lot of companies are now using them to communicate with their their, uh, employees at certain levels, aren't they? So, yeah. yeah, So I think it is really interesting, and 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 it's not something to be afraid of; it's to to embrace.
2: I agree. I think it it creates an opportunity. Now you will have the 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 people who feel comfortable with entering the data themselves, and change is hard. You could do a whole podcast on change because change is, it's hard, it's how you manage it, making sure people are open to it. There will be some people who do not like this, but it's the future. The future is not going to stop because somebody wants to continue to conti- to key 3000 variables in a system. So either people jump on board and are curious and want to learn and think with you, or people stay where they are. And then at some point, they realize that they were left behind.
1: And I think one of the things I found in conversations, particularly around automation, and and there's very definitely a spectrum. So robotic process automation, taking previously manual tasks, and the payroll professional, the payroll teams are actually very much in control of that process in Mm -hmm. terms of how it's codified, how the process steps are worked out, and then how it's automated, as opposed to some of the slightly longer term strategies around machine learning and artificial intelligence, which I think everybody still goes to Terminator and and thinks about a black box and machines (laughs) taking over the world, um, which is a little extreme. But So RPA feels like a really good place for payroll organizations to start that journey of technology innovation. Is that something you'd agree
2: with? I agree with yeah. I think artificial intelligence, machine learning, will come. I think we're we're not there yet. We have so much other stuff to do, and robotics is one of them. Um, I think paywall vendors will start. I think with like the machine learning and the artificial intelligence, some vendors are already. I think further on that path than others. But for the the Corporate payroll teams. I think we're we're not even in five years. I think.
1: And so that focus on taking processes that are already well understood, if perhaps not well documented, getting them well documented, and then pairing that perhaps with a process improvement initiative, so that yeah. you're cleaning up the process before it's then automated, um, feels like a, a, a something achievable in the five years. Going back to the original question, where do you see payroll yeah. going in five years?
2: Definitely, yeah.
0: So, Anne-Marie, as a, as a woman uh, within the industry, I just wondered: um, have you had any um, issues, or um, you know, anything that's held you back being a woman within payroll?
2: So, in payroll, I would say no. I think I, I'm a strong woman. I'm a strong leader, and. I I have an amazing I've had an amazing career. I've also been lucky that I was at the right place at the right time, but I think that, you know, sometimes you you force that uh upon yourself. Mm-hmm. Now in the in the general work environment, I do think as a as a woman, I had to work harder and be more aware of what I needed to do than some of my male colleagues um, i I have examples, but there's there's one example where a male colleague used some strong language um, and I was passionate about what I was talking about, and I was classified as emotional, well he was classified as, you know, he knows what he wants and he goes for it. So I think there, I think we're better at this. This is a couple of years ago. At the same time, it made me who I am today, you know, and um, do I say it's okay to have differences? No, that's not what I'm saying, but I never shied away from stepping in and, and having the argument or the discussion or the between brackets fight, it made me stronger. And it got me where I am today. I, I it is what it is.
0: So you've got this fantastic career. Have you got one one biggest
2: achievement? I think my biggest achievement is that I I fulfilled my dream and I'm actually working in the US with still being happily married, one husband and four dogs and two cats. So I think it's it's the overall package that I think is my what I'm most proud of, that I made it. I could not have done that without my husband because me job hopping means he had, you know, hop along with me. And if he was not supportive, I could not have done this. But I'm very proud where we are. I'm very proud... Of what I've accomplished and I never ever would have thought when I was you know grabbing those receipts with the meat that I would end up being an executive director in the US it's that's I'm really proud of
0: just out of interest what was why why America what what started that dream
2: I don't know it just it could have been any country but I think the US always had this like the American dream The international companies I work with, the the headquarters were always in the U.S. And it triggered this natural, like, I want to work in the U.S. for a year. I want to feel that corporate environment. I want to feel that decision making. I want to be close to the decision makers. Well, that was one year that turned into seven at the moment. And I think, you know, we, we have our problems with, with COVID. It's a fantastic country to work in. Interesting enough, if you talk to American people, they all want to go to Europe because that's their dream. So it's what you're used to drives your dream. So I am used to Europe. It drives my dream to the U.S. People in the U.S. are used to the U.S. and their dream is Europe. So it's, it's interesting to, to hear that conversation. And do you think you'll move back to Europe? No. Never say no, but I think we're happy here. Never say never, but I don't know where I would go back to. So with all this work that you do, um,
0: how do you, and obviously I know you've got the dogs, how, how else do you relax or are your, your animals your way to relax?
2: Well, So I, as you know, I, I, I have four dogs. So we have four dogs. We also are fostering for shelters for, so we rescue animals Um, in the seven months we've been here. We've had 14 other dogs passing through last one was a mom dog with eight puppies, which was a totally different experience. Um, I'm also, I'm, I'm starting to get my MBA, not because I need it for work. I just, I've, Had it on my wish list for a long time and since i work from home now um i don't have the travel hours and being stuck in traffic so i thought it would be a great opportunity to pick up that part and then you know i do what like to watch television or read a book or sometimes when i'm really creative i like to knit but that is really like (laughs) two days out of the year maybe but I I find my ways, you know, I'm, I'm, I think, you know, whatever you do, um, I never considered work as an evil. I think I, I really enjoy my work. I, I don't mind working in the evenings, but I built in time for all the other stuff as well. And that is, you know, when we started this conversation, you talked about this inspirational leader. That was my example. So this leader, showed me that I set my own boundaries. And I think that is one lesson that I forgot to mention when you ask for a, somebody who begins. You know, when I worked in Luxembourg, I made hell, I made long days. I started at like seven and then at five, the U.S. came online and then it was 10, 11, midnight. And I complained to to Tim about that. And he was like, well, you know, don't look for my sympathy, you're not setting your boundaries. And that was not what I wanted to hear. But he was right. Because I accepted every meeting, people forgot I was in Luxembourg. So they scheduled meetings at 11 or midnight, where I had to be on, because they didn't realize I was abroad. Once I start declining, they're like, but you need to be there. I'm like, you realize it's 11 p.m. for me (gasps) no and so that's what I do now I build in time for my study I build in time to walk my dogs to take care of the foster dog to spend time with my husband so it's it's setting your boundaries
1: very good I think that is a great note to close on um everybody listening to this this podcast is an interest in in global payroll and time zones are one of the challenges and themes that we've we've touched on in a number of these conversations so Amory, really appreciate you taking the time to to share your expertise and experience and, and track record with us and uh really looking forward to seeing what you do next
2: me too thank you for having me I really really enjoyed this thanks anne thank you This
0: podcast is made possible by ADP Global Payroll, giving you the confidence and transparency to transform global payroll into an engine for growth. Begin your journey at adp.com forward slash worldwide and connect with your local global expert.